Welcome to the Medical Association of Georgia's award-winning Top Doc Show. With more than 8,000 members who care for patients in every specialty and practice setting, MAG is the leading voice for physicians in Georgia. Go to mag.org to join MAG if you're a physician in Georgia. And thanks to MAG Insurance Agency for its support as a sponsor. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Medical Association of Georgia's Top Docs podcast. My name is Jeremy Bonfini, and I'm the Executive Director and CEO of MAG. In today's episode, I'm interviewing two experts from the Central Insurance Group. They are Jeff Lieberman, who is the Director of Special Investigations and Recovery, and Mark Young, who is a major case investigator. And today we will discuss medical buildup schemes. Mark and Jeff, you and I spoke a few weeks ago and you expressed your concerns with the spiraling costs related to medical buildup schemes. Mark, can you tell our listeners about medical buildup schemes and how they're organized? Sure, so medical buildup schemes are a result of a, a coordinated effort between medical providers, uh, diagnostic facilities and attorneys in uh, third-party civil action claims. Um, when someone is injured due to negligence of another party, they can retain an attorney, um, they can file personal injury lawsuit, and those lawsuits seek uh, compensation for damages that they suffer. Um, these damages can include medical expenses, lost wages, and pain and suffering, among other things. So the injured party will then seek treatment with a lien-based care medical provider uh, with the understanding that that doctor will be paid for their services out of any award or settlement that they may receive. So in turn, the doctor enlists the services of a diagnostic provider who generally uh, makes a favorable finding of serious injury. Um, This then empowers the provider to administer care for these injuries. Um, The procedures that we're seeing most often in these types of schemes, they involve uh, minimally invasive treatments, epidural steroid injections, facet injections, uh, stem cell treatments, medial branch blocks, uh, things like that. So the medical providers will then bill an amount between three and 10 times what's usual and customary for those procedures and report those inflated figures back to the attorney. Um, The attorney then uses the inflated figures to um, request excessive settlement demands. And this has really been, has developed into quite a a serious problem for us in in the state of Georgia over the last few years. As Mark alluded to about, you know, the three to the 10 times, you'll find this very shocking, Jeremy, but it's, we're, we're seeing medical bills today for a C4, C5 epidural injection that I personally have had myself. And and we're seeing those bills coming in between $500,000 and $600,000 for one epidural injection. And the state of Georgia has really um, become an epidemic problem as in regards to this. And so have other pockets across the country, but we've really seen a massive uptick in these medical types of buildup schemes um, across the state, across the state of Georgia. Great. Thanks, Jeff. Is there something unique about Georgia that makes it a more of a problem in this state as opposed to others? I think, you know, I think there's a, I think for, from my perspective, there's a couple factors. 
One is legislate, you know, the lack of legislation. I think two is also the overcrowding of uh, the judicial system as it relates to that. And three, it's, it's such a co complex type of investigation. And because of all that, in addition to still from a prosecutorial aspects, the courts are still trying to play catch up from, from the COVID pandemic aspects. And there are really such limited resources to conduct, you know, these in-depth investigations to this nature. Mark, what about you? Yeah, so Georgia's not really unusual in the types of things that we're seeing coming out of there. Um, those are pretty common to all the states where this is happening. Uh, but just like in college football, Georgia seems to be the best at it. Um, we're seeing things, uh, you know, like unbundling, upcoding, billing services not rendered, uh, faked exaggerated injuries, uh, excessive treatment, unnecessary surgical procedures, um, attorney and medical provider relationships, organized ring activity. Which that, those are the kinds of things that we're seeing. Um, and those are pretty consistent throughout the states that, that we're looking at. Thanks, Mark. What can a doctor do if they suspect fraud and how can they report it? I think there's a couple a couple of easy ways is, you know, one, if they would happen to know uh, the insurance, the insurance care, because most insurance companies have special investigation units uh, because they're mandated by the states uh, that if they're going to write business within that specific state, they're going to have an insurance fraud investigation team really um one to protect the policyholders of, of those of those uh, of those applicable states, but they can also make a make a simple telephone call to one eight hundred tell NICB. That's the National Insurance Crime Bureau. That would be one eight hundred T E L NICB, and I think those would probably be one of the 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 two easiest aspects and or they can always contact their, their, their local department of insurances as well as they have regulatory investigative branches also. Yeah, right. and I could also add uh, the Federal Trade Commission, the uh, Attorney's General Office, uh, Coalition Against Insur Insurance Fraud, uh, Consumer Protection Bureaus, they all have online reporting and telephone options as well. Yeah, that's a really good point too, because they they do all of those agencies have have uh, reciprocal agreements with those reporting agencies, and you know insurance fraud over the years has just become such a very large epidemic. There was just a study that was conducted last year with the University of Colorado, who when you take in all of the insurance fraud aspect across just the United States, you know, we're looking at approximately $300 billion a year. And if we slice that out, it goes strictly into the medical piece. We're, appro we're approaching around almost a hundred billion that it's, in that it's expected to have in, in, in the fraud aspect. So as you can see, um, this is, this is a quite lucrative aspect. Um, and these numbers just keep becoming more alarming and going up as the years, years go on. Thanks, Jeff. So how do insurance companies protect themselves from this types of fraud? And what are some of the consequences for those involved in medical buildup schemes? Yeah, so I can take that one, Mark, real quick. And I think, you know, ways that we, pro ways that we protect ourselves 
there's there's a there's a, a multitude of re, of aspects. One is by having by having a a best in class, a state of an art um, special investigations unit within within the insurance company is one. Being able to have people that have that skill set, like as like Mark, that can understand um, the medical the medical fraud investigative aspects. In addition to that, you know, this is where analytics plays such a such a vast importance within the insurance industry. Everybody has heard of AI, artificial intelligence, and and that is one thing that we utilize as well is being able to you know deploy um, highly sophisticated AI platforms, rules based analytic platforms, and then being able to um, interface with a whole. Um, segment of third-party data sources as well, looking for those those red flags, those trends and patterns as it relates to the medical the medical buildup schemes. Mark, anything else to add to that? Yeah, I think you uh, you hit it right on. Um, the AI is such a huge tool, and uh, I don't know if you want to talk about the integration of our different systems into the AI model. Um, it's really helping us identify patterns between. Uh, certain attorneys and medical providers, it really identifies things that the, the human um, would miss. Yeah, when you think of, you know, speed to detection, I mean, that's an important, that's an important piece, you know, with, with these medical fraud aspects, I mean, you can, you can really think about when you talk on just, you know, whether it's from, from hundreds and hundreds of pages of billing, billing, let's just say, or, uh, or, entities that have hundreds of claims per se, you know, the ability to be able to automate that and, and, and run all of that through an AI detection system, really, really um, spelling it all out for you saves a vast, a vast, a vast amount of time. Um, and the AI is such an, such an important, an important piece. Um, and, and along the lines, as Mark alluded to, with interfacing, like you know, with with the various different third-party data sources, whether it's whether it's you know departments of insurance, um, historical uh, uh, questionable claim referrals, or what we call metaware alerts on on all on all points bulletin, you know, on on suspect suspicious providers that are. Uh, potentially perpetrating medical buildup schemes and the list could go on and on and, and, and we could talk for hours on the AI piece, but I think those are some of the key ways that that insurance groups protect themselves. Yeah, so the, the AI pulls from a, a number of different sources and it's able to analyze just a huge amount of information that a human would take forever to go through. So it does it very quickly and brings these things to the attention of the SIU units immediately, which is uh, game changing. It's probably one of the biggest ways, Jeremy. That um, you know, we rely we rely on our referrals from uh, two ways. One is from adjuster identification, and the other one is through is through the the application of analytics. And, and analytics plays such a huge part of of how we're able to detect um, the these questionable medical buildup schemes. And quite frankly, we've got a handful going on right now within within Georgia. Great. So for those that engage in medical build-up schemes, what are the consequences? What happens? So there's, you know, when we talk specifically within Georgia, and as I alluded to, as we started off, states mandate that 
special investigation units are are there in the states. Well, in addition to that, the states also mandate that we're going to report our questionable claims to the Department of Insurance. We're mandated under state statute. So one of the very first things we do is if we come across a medical buildup scheme where we're an attorney, a, a doctor, a chiropractor, a, a medical diagnostic facility, any entity that's involved in that claim that is is determined to be questionable fraudulent we're obligated to report so the very first thing is we're going to do is we're going to report to the doy which we also report to an organization called the national insurance crime bureau as well and and then from there you know a whole host of things can can occur those 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 referrals can be accepted for a criminal type of investigation um, they can they can end up being referred to various different types of li- licensing boards as well so there's a whole host of of um, things that can occur can go on behind those scenes when it's determined that there's been fraudulent activity. But the key of the whole thing is that an insurance company is is obligated to report the questionable or suspicious activity of all entities or parties that are involved within that claim. Understood. Very interesting. So in this process, who's directing the standard of care? Who's driving the process once an individual is injured? Well, that could be, uh, it varies, to be honest. Um, sometimes we found that the the attorney that's involved is actually directing the care. There's been recent litigation in Georgia that's uncovered uh, emails between medical providers and um, the law offices, and the law offices are actually directing the care based on the policy limits, um, which is very disturbing. And, a, and, and that is a tremendous red flag for- for us in identification is when we start to see, you know, claims where the attorney is directing that, that medical care, not the medical provider. Understood. And you mentioned imaging centers in one of our earlier discussions and that imaging centers are offering a causation opinion. Could you talk a little bit more about your concern there? That's a great question, Jeremy, because Mark has many claims right now that are ongoing just within the greater Atlanta metro area specific of that, Mark. <laughs> so there was a, a scientific study published in the American Journal of uh, Neuroradiology. And basically what this study found was that nearly one third of all 20 year olds are walking around with asymptomatic disbulges meaning that uh, they have these bulges uh, with no symptoms. They're not in pain. It's not affecting their gait, nothing. And that number only increases as you get older due to uh, degeneration. So it's very easy when an accident occurs, even a minor impact accident, uh, for these radiologists to say, oh, well, you know, your bulge is causally related to this accident that just occurred. Um, it's very easy and profitable for them to do that. And without, you know, nobody goes to get an MRI if they're not in pain. So if there's nothing saying it isn't related, it's very easy for them to do. Oh, yeah, it's got to be related to this accident, traumatic event, even though, you know, there was $100 damage to their car, which we've seen. Um, and yes, we're seeing the same uh, radiologists, the same imaging centers that continue to pop up on these uh, questionable claims and these types of schemes. 
Yeah, and that's a very common thing is is Marcus is is touching on is you know those those low vehicle types of impact, very minimal uh, damages. It's common, and not only in Georgia, but in, in so many other parts of the United States, to have that that bumper tap, that hundred that hundred dollar paint transfer. And before we know, within the insurance industry, we're receiving millions of dollars of demands, um, hundreds of thousands of dollars of medical procedures, treatment, and and, and so on, simply off of a bump a bumper tap with nothing more than a paint transfer. That's pretty incredible. Uh, What needs to be done? What changes need to occur in order to address the issue? Is it legislation? Is it engagement with the Department of Insurance? Is it awareness? Tell me what we need to do in your view to address the issue. I think things like what you and I are doing today is a great first step insurance companies because i think it's really not heard of insurance companies you know it's unique it's innovative partnering with medical associations such as you um, to get this message out i've not heard heard of of a platform of like this type of engagement being done anywhere besides you and i today in the United States. I think the legislation plays a critical piece. I think interaction with the departments of insurance um, is is also very, very big. And getting this this message out is is so key and critical as well. Yeah, I think uh, the only thing that's really gonna work is, is continuing to present barriers to these types of claims. Uh, raising awareness of the issue and tort reform. That's what's going to. Yeah, you bring up a good point. The tort reform, you know, George, I mean, you know, Florida underwent a tort reform not too long ago. I think that's a, you know, that's a key driver as well to hopefully reduce some of this because this is just going to continue to spin out of control as, as the years go by. And unfortunately, you know, consumers within the insurance industry, they become the victims as well. Um, And just as we saw in the state of Florida with so many, you know, insurance companies last year, there were seven companies that pulled out of the state of Florida because of litigious aspects and because of the fraud. And and so it's, it, it ultimately affects everybody that's, that's with, that's within the, the realm of this. Thanks, Jeff. That's important to note that this isn't a victimless crime, that the consumers are impacted at the end of the day, obviously through higher insurance premiums, less competition in the insurance market. Yes. So how can we continue uh, the connection between uh, the insurance industry and the medical community? What does outreach look like over a certain period of time? You know, I think the I think the were you going to say something, Mark? Yeah, I was just going to say. So the the insurance industry is very compartmentalized. We don't typically share information between each other. If somebody identifies an issue going on in this area, it's not like they reach out to the other carriers and go, "Oh, hey, this is going on in Atlanta or in in Houston." Um, whereas the plaintiffs bar. Um, they have meetings on how to extract the maximum settlement amounts from these insurance carriers. So I, I think um, 
the outreach will have to look like what we're doing now, reaching out to these medical associations, partnering, because uh, I believe that medicine is a noble profession. I mean, <clears throat> a majority of your members got into this profession to help people. And it probably personally offends them to see somebody that's taking advantage of the system and doing it wrong. So I think raising awareness among, among the membership like yours uh, will go a great way into, into helping alleviate this problem. Yeah, I agree. I think the outreach is really, you know, is really an important piece. Um, and, you know, it's, it's looking for those, you know, establishing those partnerships and those relationships within the insurance the insurance sector to the government sectors and to the other entities. You know, for, for us, it would be, let's say, you know, part, partnering, uh, developing relationships with, the, you know, organizations such as, you know, like Mark alluded to a medical association or a chiropractic board or a medical or, or a bar association or a division of professional regulation and licensing and uh, having relationships with, with better business bureaus and consumer protection agencies and, and, uh, the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, and all that to to form those relationships to you know increase that increase that awareness. Um, it wasn't that long ago. Mark and I met with you know members of the FTC, and we talked about these these types of problems. They were completely shocked, and I don't think um, they really had thought about you know the implement the implications of how these medical buildup schemes impact along the lines of the FTC piece as, as well. Great, well, thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Mark. I think this is incredibly interesting uh, to understand what's happening in your world and how it combines uh, with the world that our physicians live in. Uh, do you have any other final comments or remarks? Uh, we're obviously going to continue the discussions and we'll be seeing you at some future events that MAG has. Uh, what else haven't we covered that our members need to know? Uh, I think it, it's really important to understand. I, I'm not sure what the awareness is of lean-based care and uh, you know the issues that are driving this problem. Um, you know, lean-based care and litigation funding companies are two of the biggest reasons that this is happening right now. Um, lean-based care providers, basically, they're providers that uh, they, they do treatment on, on credit uh, with the understanding that, you know, when the claim is settled, they'll be paid out of the proceeds. Um, litigation funding companies essentially provide loans to injured parties. Um, or they fund the entire lawsuit in exchange for a share of the plaintiff's profit. Um, lawsuits have gone up by 150% since 2021. That's, that's ridiculous. Um, litigation funding is an $11 billion a year industry, and it's projected to be a, a $24 billion a year industry by 2028. Uh, so this isn't slowing down. So we just ask that, uh, you know, your members be cognizant and, uh, of what's going on. And, and if this is a happening, please let us know. Yeah. And I think, you know, the, the final takeaways, if they, it kind of goes back. If you get that, if you get that feeling in your stomach and it sounds too good to be true, or it just doesn't sound right. It probably isn't right. And if they suspect fraud, I would highly encourage them to work with the insurance companies in the investigation aspect of it and to report it. Yeah. 
Great. Well, thank you so much, uh, Mark. Those were some very compelling numbers. Uh, thank you for sharing them. Uh, Jeff, I appreciate uh, your insight and call to action for our members. I think that this episode will be very useful uh, to beginning the conversation and raising awareness. Uh, top docs and our members are very appreciative uh, for your contributions today. So we look forward to speaking with you. Hopefully this time next year, it'll be all solved. Uh, but at <laughs> minimum, uh, we'll have raised awareness amongst our members, which is what we're all about. So Mark, thank you so much. Jeff, thank you so much. Uh, we appreciate your contributions uh, to Top Docs and raising the awareness amongst our members. So thank you. And maybe we'll see you on another episode of Top Docs. Thank you for having us. All right. Great. Thank you, gentlemen. Thanks for watching this episode of Top Docs. Please share this program with your colleagues and family and friends. Remember to follow MAG on Facebook and Twitter. And don't forget that you can get past episodes of the show at mag.org backslash topdocs. From everybody at MAG, we look forward to catching up with you on our next episode of Top Docs.